Uh, it's really good to see you guys. My name's Chris. If I don't know you, I'd love to get to know you. Um, at RUF, we really uh, want to be, and I think by God's grace, sometimes are a group of students that are looking to love God and learn how to love each other better. And uh, we can't do that on our own. We need God's grace. So we're thrilled that you're here tonight, no matter kind of what background you come from, what baggage you have, what your sort of religious background is. If someone just drug you here, we're glad for that too, and we're glad for that person. But me and that person probably need to talk. Anyway, um, it's really good to see you guys. We're in the book of Ecclesiastes, so if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, it's right after the Psalms and then Proverbs and then Ecclesiastes. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, you can just grab one off that back table that the lovely Liz is pointing to and the lovely Hannah are pointing to. Everyone look at them. Okay, great. It's right, they're right next to that seven-eighths empty Gatorade is the free Bibles. So I'm looking at you after... Large group Gatorade. Um, so you just grab a Bible there. You don't need to ask anyone. You can just take one with you. Or you can look in your handout. Um, I, I think that most of us have a love-hate relationship with the guy. Maybe you are this guy or gal in the class that persistently asks if something's going to be on the exam. Um, you know, your, your, your professor is getting excited about something and it's sort of tangential and they get off talking and the person just kind of raises their hand. Like, Excuse me. Is this going to be on the exam? Because um, they're saying, because if it's not, I'm gonna, just going to stop paying attention. And uh, we have a love-hate relationship with that person. We love them because we, we find out if it's going to be on the exam, and we didn't have to ask and look like an idiot. Um, but there's also this sense that when they ask that, it's like, dude, like, are, are you here for the exam, or are you here to learn from this professor that has all this knowledge that they want to impart to you? Um, as we've said in previous weeks, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is a really unique book because it doesn't talk about God much, but it's this guy and his name is the preacher. He goes by the preacher and uh, he's looking for a satisfying life. What's the thing that if I found it would give my life ultimate satisfaction and meaning? And he looks at pleasure and wealth and fame and relationships. And tonight he's looking at wisdom or knowledge. And uh, it's a really good question to ask you know, why do we learn things? Like, what's the point? Like, why, literally, why are you here? Because it's really hot in this room. So, um, no, but why are you at Appalachian? Why are you, you know, you would all say, well, I'm here to get an education. But, like, what's the education for? Why get an education in the first place? Is an education the key to the life that you want? Okay, I think most of you are here because you think getting this education is going to give you sort of the life that you want. So let's dig in and see what the preacher has to say about whether wisdom and knowledge can give us the good life. So we're going to be reading from Ecclesiastes there in your handout. Uh, chapter 1, 16 through 18, and chapter 2, 12 through 17. So listen, this is the word of the Lord. So let's give it our attention. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Then in chapter 2, starting in verse 12. So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly. 
As there is more gain in light than in darkness, the wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks around in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the, the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after wind. Uh, this is God's word. Let's ask God's blessing on it together. Father, we're grateful uh, that we can come together tonight as friends. And Lord, I'm, I'm especially thankful for any new friends that might be with us tonight, uh, just checking things out. Grateful that you've brought all of us here by your grace. And Lord, your word's been read, and that is sufficient for us to see you, to know you, to take an accurate assessment of our lives and who you are. But Lord, um, because you're gracious, would you be with us now as we consider it together? Help us to see Jesus and find our satisfaction in him. We pray in his name. Amen. So tonight we're, we're looking with the, with the preacher at wisdom. And what I want us to see together, okay, this is a spoiler alert um, for Ecclesiastes. It's super repetitive. And uh, everything that the preacher sort of goes and looks to and says, oh, will this satisfy me? Will this give me the good life? The answer is no. Okay, so if you're trying to read ahead, trying to find what the thing is, literally it's not in the book. Um, so wisdom, surprise, is not going to be the, the, the key. It's not going to be the answer. Um, so what I want to look at tonight is... How wisdom fails, there's, a, um, there's an outline in your handout if you want to use it. How wisdom fails, but then how wisdom is found, how true wisdom is found, and then how wisdom flourishes. Because if wisdom isn't the thing that's going to make our lives worth it, then why are we even doing it in the first place? You guys follow me? Okay. So how wisdom fails. Wisdom and knowledge, acquiring facts and understanding of how the world works, will not ultimately satisfy or give you a satisfying Life. Now, as the preacher says there in chapter 2, um, it's better to be a wise person than to be a fool, right? Okay. John Wayne has this famous quote, um, you know, life's tough, but it's even tougher if you're stupid. Um, you know, all things being equal, you'd rather be a smart person and know things than not, right? To get along in the world. But... At the end of the day, for several reasons, wisdom doesn't satisfy. And here's a couple of the reasons. Look there in your text. Look in verse 18. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Um, the more that you learn about the world and how the world works, actually the more depressing the world seems. Okay? I have uh, three kids, three daughters, and uh, my four-year-old daughter and my two-year-old daughter regularly, literally lose their minds over what seems insignificant. Like, my toy broke. You won't give me that straw back. And, like, everything is, like, it's over. You know, like, they are, they are losing their minds, you know, more hardcore than I ever have in my life. But if you stop and think about it, if you're two, okay, and you've lived two whole years, the fact that your straw isn't working is, pro like, one of the worst things that's ever happened to you. You know, like you just haven't lived that long and been through that many like really hard things. So 
you know, when your sister, like, pulls your hair, that's the worst. That's literally the worst thing that's happened to you. And it's kind of cool, like, to, to be a kid and you're like, that is adorable. Because this is what you assume is, like, really bad about life. Um, because as you get older, you know, things happen. Things happen to you. Things happen around you. And you find out about the world. And you realize that your straw not working is very minor. That's why we look at a kid and go, that's not a big deal. To them, it is a big deal. The more that you learn, you know, there's grief and wisdom, right? There's a lot of sorrow in knowing the truth. Um, I remember when I, was, when I was younger, in the infant days of the internet, uh, when you had to listen to, to dubstep to make it work. Um, uh, let's let it sink in. Um, uh, I remember there was this website, and I cannot remember what it was called, but it was like a website that a lot of my guy friends want to look at. And it was like these really violent, like, not, not pornographic, but like, like, just violent images of, like, people, you know, dismembered and all this stuff. I don't know why everyone thought that was so awesome, because I did not. And, uh, but I remember at one time I was like, I'll check it out, I'm tough. And I saw an image of someone, a soldier that had been run over by a tank, okay? Um, it was horrifying. And I remember to this day, like, recall, I was driving back this morning, I go see a counselor in Hickory, go to a counselor, everyone needs it. Um, because I saw this image when I was a kid, and so now I go to counseling. And uh, so anyway, so I was driving back, and I, it, it just popped into my head, you know, because that stuff gets on, like, your hard drive, and you can never erase it, you know. It's going to be there forever. I mean, your hard drive is your brain. It's a metaphor. And, um, you know, the more, that, the more that you learn, there's things that you just have to deal with in, in your brain. So knowledge increases sorrow, but also just learning facts about how the world works can never answer ultimate questions, okay? There's always a sense of not being able to know, a sense of mystery. Even in Ecclesiastes 8, the preacher makes this point. He's like, look, someone calls themselves as wise as they want to, but to some degree, the world is still a huge mystery to them. They they can't find out how the world works. Um, Philosophers are some of the most brilliant and earnest people that you'll ever meet if you've taken philosophy classes. Uh, I live... My neighbor teaches philosophy at App, and he's a very earnest, and he's a super bright guy. But really, if you take philosophy, and they're like, okay, we're going to study teleology, you know, and this is about how you, how is it that we know what we know? This is a question. How do I know that I know this, and how did I find that out? Uh, you will study the history of that subject, and it will be literally thousands of years old. Because people are still asking the same questions. Why are we here? What does it mean to be human? How do I know what I know. And even when someone asserts to you that they know an answer, at the end of the day, they still have to kind of tell you that it's their best guess, right? Uh, I love Bright Eyes, um, the band, because I love depressing music, and me and Carl really broke down on that. And, um, but they had this song called, uh, I Don't Know When, But A Day's Gonna Come. It's a really good song. But um, Connor Oberst, who's in Bright Eyes, is like the whiniest guy ever, and that's part of why I love him. But you know, he says, I've read some books and I've grown quite brave. And if I could just speak up, I think I would say that there is no truth. There is only you and what you make the truth. Okay, it's like this super confident, like angsty assertion. But, you know, that there is no truth. But at the end of the song, he's in tears, like literally breaking down. And he's just saying, can someone please start explaining? I need some understanding. I want to understand, right? There's a sense, even if you assert what you know, there's still mystery. Like it's still, you can't figure out ultimate questions. And as the preacher does, everything he goes through, you know, relationships, pleasure, all the stuff, at the end of it, he goes, look, you can get it. But like in the end, you're going to die anyway. You know, he says, look, in the end, the same thing happens to the fool as to the wise person. 
They go away one day, okay? Could be 20 years, could be tonight. And at some point, even if you write books, no one's going to remember. Like, Epicurus is, like, really important. And, like, hardly anyone in this room knows who he is, right? He's, like, one of the most important philosophers of all time. But at some point, you're going to die, and it's going to be gone. So wisdom can't give you the satisfying, the good life, right? Um, so what do we do? Like, why do we even learn things to begin with? Um, and how could we begin to get true wisdom? Um, I was reading in Luke chapter 11, um, and there's this exchange between Jesus and these people that he calls the lawyers, Okay. Uh, the lawyers were these super smart, super religious guys. This is at the end of Luke 11, if you're writing that down. And Jesus is talking to the, the Pharisees and the scribes, and he's just pronouncing all this woe on them. Like, he's just, like, bringing down the house on these people, like, literally cursing them out. And um, he talks to the lawyers, but he says to them, um, Woe to you, lawyers, because you've taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourself... And you hindered those that were entering. But he said, there's a key. Okay? If you think about the, the universe and understanding how it works, think of it as a door. Okay? The door can be studied for its own good. But what, really what you would want to know is on the other side of the door. And there's a key. And he's saying, you've kept it from people. You've thrown it away. Because the, these guys, they were super religious. They knew their Bible. Okay? They were super smart. These are the guys that were the scholarly academic people of the age and yet they rejected Jesus they did not sense that they needed Jesus in order to understand the world okay Jesus saying you got to repent you got to trust me to understand and they rejected him they missed it they knew all about the door but they threw away the key so if we're going to find wisdom according to the scripture Jesus is the key to understanding the world and how the world works. Um, if you want to have wisdom, if you want to know how the world works, you have to know Jesus. Um, so if you look on the front of your handout, there's a quote there from uh, St. Augustine, who was alive about 1,500 years ago. And uh, again, one of the probably 10 most important philosophers of ever. Um, but he, there's a Latin quote on there that translates to believe that you may understand. Augustine's whole point was that you got to believe. It's faith in Jesus, seeking understanding. You have to believe in Jesus before you can understand how the world works. Um, now, for some of you, whether you're a Christian or not, you may be thinking, like, that, that doesn't sound right. You're saying, like, before I know anything, before I have my education, before I understand the world, that I have to start with knowing Jesus. Okay, and that is what I'm saying. Um, isn't that backward? Don't you like, you know, you study everything and you kind of weigh your options and then you pick your religious thing. You're saying, isn't it really narrow to say like only you preacher guy, your religious perspective is the one that's like the insight to the universe. Okay. And that is what I'm saying. Um, now that sounds narrow. I understand that. Um, but let me try to pitch it to you why that's not narrow. It's not narrow because... Even though you spend all your time in an educational institution and a fine one like App, which I love, um, being in an educational institution teaches you that you are primarily something that thinks. Okay, you following me? That like the kind of creature you are primarily is a thinking creature. 
Okay, that's where you start. But the perspective of the Bible and the way that we live our lives is not as thinking creatures, but as desiring creatures, okay? We don't start by, oh, I'll, I'll come to this thing and I'll, I'll examine it and I'll be very detached from it and then I'll decide whether to put my desire on it, to, to give my heart to it, to give my love to it. We start with our gut, with our heart, with something in here that we don't quite understand and then we gain information, okay? Like you guys want a job because you have this idea that the good life means having a job, right? And so you come to school to get information unto getting that job. You see, we're always going towards something. Our heart is attracted to something and we move towards it. And our cognitive faculties, our thinking and all that sort of comes behind, okay? We're not... There's a... James K. A. Smith has a great book on this called Desiring the Kingdom. If you're nerdy and want to read... A really good book. You don't have to be nerdy. Um, I've read it, so. Um, uh, so when I, when I say, and when the Bible comes to us and says, look, knowing and loving Jesus comes before wisdom and understanding, that's not telling you to do something that you don't already do. Our heart, the heart wants what it wants. I think Emily Dickinson was quoting Selena Gomez when she said that. Um, <laughs> The heart wants what it wants. And so, so, the, so the Bible, when it comes, it comes to us and says, you've got to get your desire right, and then you can think correctly. It's just treating us as we already are. Okay? How many of you have ever thought yourself out of love with somebody? How many of you have ever thought yourself into love with somebody? Because I know probably the same number of people in the room are trying to do that. If I think really hard enough about how great you are and how you know, this would really work, then I'll fall in love with you. And it doesn't work, right? Your mind always follows your heart. So, if Jesus is the creator and sustainer of the universe, okay, which the Bible says he is, okay, he's the one that created everything. It's for him, to him, all this. And if the narrative arc of history turns on Jesus and is about Jesus, um, then he must be the fundamental desire of everybody's heart for them to function correctly. Does that make sense? The guy that was here last week, Jeff, he was talking about what's the center? Is Jesus the center? Um, And if your chief desire and the aim of your life is not on Jesus, who's the God and creator of the universe, then your thinking is going to be off. Okay? Because what you're focused on and what you're moving toward is not the center of the universe. And so you're going to be out of accord with how the universe works. And we, so, simply stated, we must love correctly if we're going to think correctly. We all do this. I'm not asking you to do something you don't already do. Colossians 1.17, when we were in Chattanooga over spring break, there were some students went, we had the opportunity to like, teach some memory verses to some kids. It was a really cool experience. But I was really thankful for the one they picked, Colossians 1.17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The universe, according to the scripture, holds together around Jesus. Okay? So if we're going to think correctly about the universe, we have to know him. And let me tell you really, really good news. Jesus is inviting you to know him. He's not away. He's not distant. He's not saying, follow these rules, climb this mountain and come find me. He's right here saying, come to me, learn from me, set your burden down. I will give myself to you. Rest in me. Knowledge becomes wisdom. 
Okay? There's facts, okay? Knowledge. It becomes wisdom when it recognizes the creator of the universe, okay? If you guys have been in the community group and you've been going through the video series, they said that because they got it from me. Um, <laughs> knowledge becomes wisdom when it recognizes the creator. Now, you can know a lot of things without knowing Jesus, okay? I'm not saying, well, anyone that doesn't know Jesus is just a moron. Um, because clearly, most of the people that are leading innovation in healthcare and whatever are, you know, potentially not believers, okay? So you can know a lot, you can accomplish feats of beauty and innovation and technology, okay, and not know Jesus. Now, granted, you're doing that by the enabling and power of Jesus. He is allowing you to do that, He's giving you the gifts to do that. But when that person's knowledge recognizes that when they make a healthcare breakthrough, they're not just helping people, they're joining God and bringing wholeness and healing to the world. That's when it becomes wisdom and true wisdom when we direct glory back to God. Okay, so that's how we can find true wisdom is by looking to Jesus and starting with Jesus, faith seeking understanding. But, okay, so we got, but what, what is wisdom for? Okay, this is where I want to spend a little time with you guys just in these last couple minutes moving towards a little bit of application because, you know, you guys are all getting an education. You're like, okay, that's all well and good. I should start with Jesus. This is true wisdom, fine. But what's it for? What are we supposed to do with it? What are we getting an education for? And this is our last point, how wisdom flourishes. Basically, if, I, if you were to walk away from tonight with one thing, I would want it to be, Jesus wants you to know him. Okay, so let's start there. But right under that, I would love for you to leave the room tonight knowing that uh, your education at Appalachian uh, is more than just an investment in your future life. Okay, that is where most of us are. We're getting an education because it's an investment, it's a step, okay, I want you to leave knowing that your education is more than a piece of paper that gets you a job, that gets you the spouse, that gets you the house, that gets you the retirement, that gets you the fancy tombstone. Okay? That your education is more than that. It's more robust and full than that. Because everything you learn is an opportunity to do two things. Okay? So track with me on these two things. Every new thing you learn in class, from work, from your parents, whatever... It's an opportunity to, to know the creator of the world. Okay? Everything that you learn about his world, um, in that video series, what I love is they say, everything that we learn is not just something we can look at, but something we can look along. Um, Jared Manley Hopkins uh, was a poet and a Jesuit priest and um, loved Jesus. And uh, this is a mashup of some of his um, poems and uh, sermons, because he just says it so well, um, about how we can know God through the things we see. You guys know what a bluebell is, by the way, not the ice cream. Okay, it's a flower. Okay, just put that out there. I didn't want you guys to get thinking about, now you are thinking about bluebell, so crap. Um, listen to this. He says, I do not know that I've ever seen anything more beautiful than the bluebell I am looking at. I know the beauty of our Lord by it. The world then is word, expression, news of God. Therefore, its end, its purpose, its purport, its meaning is God. 
and its life or work to name and praise him. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. The creation does praise him, does reflect honor on him, is of service to him. The sun and the stars shine and glorify God. They stand where he placed them. They move where he bid them. The heavens declare the glory of God. The birds sing to him. The thunder speaks of his terror. The lion is like his strength. The sea is like his greatness. The honey like his sweetness. They are something like him. They make him known. They tell of him. For Christ plays in 10,000 places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes not his, to the Father through the features of men's faces. Everything that you see and learn um, is like God in some way and shows you who he is and is crying out for you to know him. So everything you learn is an opportunity to know the creator of the world, but also everything that you learn right here at Appalachian, okay, is an opportunity. Okay, it's, a, it's SGA election season, so everyone, we sell you on an opportunity, um, an opportunity for Appalachian. Everything that you learn here is an opportunity to contribute to the flourishing of God's world. Okay, when we sometimes see the world and we see it through these eyes of, you know, sorrow, because we, we, you know, and some days are just, just full of, uh, uh, full of it, full of sorrow. And um, we start to get despondent and we start to see the world as a sorrowful place. But God is actually working, flourishing into the world now and through his people. Everything that you learn, all knowledge and wisdom, is meaningless unless it is turned into acts of love and service. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, you've heard it at a wedding if you've ever been to a wedding. Um, If you haven't been, you will be soon. I guarantee it. Just weird um, for you, not weird for me, because I am married. Um, but First Corinthians thirteen, Paul says, "Look, if I have all knowledge and wisdom, like literally, if I know everything, and I don't have love, if I'm not using it for love, I am nothing. Everything, all the knowledge you get is incomplete until you turn it into acts of praise and love." I read earlier today that. Um, that there's a potential that they have found something to cure Alzheimer's. Did you guys read this? Um, that your brain, when you get older, there's a... Jonathan, you will forgive me if I mispronounce this. Okay, and you will let me know that I mispronounce it. There's cells in your brain called microglia. Who knows? Okay. Microglia. And they, what they do is they're like the sucker fish of your brain. Okay? They come around and they clean out bacteria and deposits, right? Because parts of your brain you can't use anymore once you have Alzheimer's. And there's this certain protein that gets made that inhibits that. And so they basically figured out, hey, if we give someone something to inhibit that protein, then their microglia can just keep going and keep cleaning their brain and actually roll back Alzheimer's. Like, Alzheimer's is the sixth leading cause of death in America. If they figured out a way to get rid of Alzheimer's, can you imagine the potential for human flourishing that can come from that? It's like 200 and something billion dollars every year is spent on Alzheimer's just in America. Um, how amazing would that be if, 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 and if you're that person, okay, you're that scientist and you're working on that job, you have the opportunity to see that this is an act of love and service and praise to God because he says he's making all things new and he's going to dry every tear from every eye and I get to participate in that right now. By helping human beings flourish. So, 
How does what you're learning about education, early childhood or middle grades or whatever it is, how does what you're learning about education contribute to the flourishing of children? Uh, especially those who are forgotten. Especially, because those are the people that God loves especially. Especially those that struggle to understand. How does what you're learning about business, business management, accounting, contribute to a more charitable economy? Where people work and give out of abundance instead of out of scarcity. How does what you're learning about social work move people from a sense of hopeless dependency to a place of dignity? Um, How does what you're learning about sustainable development steward the garden of God's world and make it flourish with newness and responsibility so people can enjoy it forever and praise God by it? How does what you're learning about English? Okay, God created the world by talking, okay? It's really weird. You would think, okay, he gets some stuff and he's like doing that. He's like speaks words and then things happen, okay? So how does what you're learning about English help us delight in the beauty and the creativity of language? Um, how does what you're learning about design bring order and functionality and simple beauty to the things that we use every single day? Um, my wife uh, went to the Savannah College of Art and Design. I know because I'm paying for it for the rest of my life. And, um, uh, which is really funny-ish, and, uh, but true. And, um, but so she went, to, she went to SCAD. Okay, then she married me and she threw it all away um, to be literally a pastor's wife. And um, we have three girls and that is, that's where she, she puts her, her focus. That's her job. She read that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I remember my wife getting really mad because she was reading a magazine. She's like a feminist at heart. And uh, she was reading this magazine. that was all about, like, don't let people tell you what you can and can't be as a woman. She was like, yes. And so she reads this article, and then she was really, really angry at the end. Because one of the things that it didn't say that you were free to do was not work and raise kids. And she was like, what? what? I, I have dignity. I'm a woman. And I chose this life. Um, okay, so she has this, she is an incredible designer, and she has a degree in design from a high-fly art school, right? And she's a mom now, okay? That was worth the money. Because every day in our home, she teaches our daughters how to spot beauty, how to bring order to our world. She makes me and our children mindful of beauty every single day. And I would have paid twice as much for that degree, for her to teach that to our children and lead to their flourishing and the flourishing of our home. What if your education unto Jesus is about something better than your future financial stability? Uh, let's pray. Father, um, that's, that uh, feels like a hard question because uh, I don't know what it would mean. Uh, because so many of us are in school and for good reason to want to get a good job and work and image you and what we do and work regular jobs. And that's really, really good. Um, But Father, would you give us the courage to see our education and our wisdom unto you, that you would take our knowledge and help us to recognize you and so become wise. Um, 
Lord, lead anyone here that um, is stirred by that, uh, maybe even for the first time, to you, that they would find rest. And we pray in Jesus' name.